Welcome to our podcast series, Leaders in the Making. And today I am delighted to welcome Brooke Jones, who is coming to talk to us about kindness and much more. So Brooke, welcome. Thanks Natasha for having me. I was looking at your bio, Brooke, and uh, it's just like so amazing with all the things you've done. But just to give a little bit of background information to all our listeners, uh, you are absolutely amazing person working in the world of kindness and delivering this beautiful curriculum for schools through your work at the Random Acts of Kindness. And you know a lot about human relationships, psychology and the science of kindness. And what I love about it as well is you have put that into action in everything you do. So through your work, you've had a chance to collaborate with amazing educators and psychologists and parents, and also including uh, people like the Dalai Lama. And I know that you've also done a TEDx talk on your mental health journey and healing through kindness, which is really uh, fascinating. Before we start, is it all right for us to maybe share how we met and how our conversation began? Yes, I, I think that's a great place to start. I, uh, you were one of the first people I, I knew early on in my role here at the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. We, um, we were a fledgling little foundation with this small idea of um, uh, helping teach kindness. We, we believe that the idea of kindness can be taught, uh, you know, that we are in fact born with this quality, but we lose it over time. So if we can help kids continue to flex that muscle and, and learn the concepts and the ideas and all of the things that go around kindness, that, that we could make the world a better place. And you and I both agreed on that. And so I think it was back in 2014 that we met and uh, brought this idea to some pretty substantial leaders in, in the area of social and emotional learning. So that was, that was pretty cool. And I think, you know, we learned that we could take this not only um, into my small area of Denver and Colorado, but we could actually cross the pond and come to you and you helped us uh, engage a whole lot of interesting and fascinating leaders in England as well. So it's just taken off from there. And it, it was an amazing experience. And I remember it because you came to the UK and came to a school and you did this, uh, this wonderful talk on kindness with the kids. And we have actually a video. I will put the link so people can have a look at that. Um, and it was extraordinary to see how little children could express what kindness meant to them. It was just a, a beautiful experience. And, uh, and what I loved about it as well is there were some real you know impact on their well-being and on how well they were doing at school and their social you know interactions with uh, other children and and the teachers which was mm -hmm. just amazing so can we talk a little bit more about what started this idea of promoting kindness and why it's so important to you um you know as a leader of this organization but also in your life and as a parent because you're you're a mother of a of a beautiful daughter abby when I took this job, first of all, it was just fascinating to me that there was a job that existed like this, um, where, you know, the role is to spread kindness globally. And, and as lovely as that sounds, to me, it was a really important um, concept that I think people tend to write off as a, as a nice idea or a fluffy kind of let's buy coffee for somebody. It's, it's, life-changing. It is world-changing. I know this to be true. The research shows it. So when we started and when we were in schools, that was wonderful. But what we saw pretty quickly was that, you know, children 
are easy. They get this. Uh, they're very, very attuned to kindness. Um, if we don't, as I said, flex that muscle, uh, the older we get, the less it's part of who we are and we become more individualized. We become more selfish. We, we sort of look out for ourselves first and not the community. And so I wanted to, to bring that back into, um, into our vernacular, right. Of, of taking care of each other. And that's what kindness is. It's the idea that we can socially and emotionally connect, um, that we, we use our emotional intelligence to uh, respond and behave in ways that um, create a more civilized society. So, so the schools was one aspect of that. We are now, as you mentioned, you know, looking at uh, how do we do this in the workplace? How do we do this with families? Um, for me, it's been a really interesting journey with my daughter. I'm a single mom with a uh, now 15-year-old daughter who is in that stage of life where it's, it's very, it's kind of that really all about me, selfish teenage years. And, and so we work a little harder to look at who's around us. How are we affecting others? How are we taking care of others? How are they taking care of us? Because it's really, it's really the only way we as a human species are going to survive if we, if we start looking at our, ourselves as a whole versus um, individuals. And, and that is so strong in the midst of a pandemic where the whole uh, discussion about preventing us, you know, getting infected has been about um, this kind of social distancing, which is interesting because it's physical distancing rather than actually social, but it has huge impact on our emotional well-being as well. So such an, an important element. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brooke, I, I love the fact you're talking about the work you're doing, you know, um, within your organization. And that's been a super powerful program. Uh, when you see the number of of educators and teachers that are using it worldwide. But also, I was really interested, and that's the first thing uh, when I, you know, when I met you, and I was really interested in this idea of paying forward movement, which is something quite new and and maybe not so popular, you know, in Europe. Um, It's a concept that maybe we can't quite grasp, although sometimes we do it without knowing it. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about it and maybe how your daughter as well was uh, uh, encompassing this? So the idea of pay it forward is is relatively simple it's that um, something good happens to you and you you pay that forward to somebody else and we do we see it it happens and we're sort of uh, unaware I think sometimes but when we intentionally do it it's a really powerful thing and I can talk in a second about what the science the physiology of that looks like but um, but with my daughter it's something we started when she was born actually it was my mother who started it um, they every year give her $25 on her birthday and the idea was you must pay this forward this is not money for you to go spend on something you're getting enough gifts this is something you need to do um, something bigger for somebody else you can give that money to somebody um, you can raise more money you can buy something for somebody whatever so so for 15 years, she has done this project and done something every year slightly different. This year, we are actually in the middle of her Pay It Forward project where we asked friends and family and anybody who wanted to, to donate, match her $25. And we are at currently about $1,000. Um, and she is using it to buy materials for our unhoused neighbors here in Denver. It's very cold here. A lot of people have lost their homes during the pandemic, and we see a lot of folks on the street. So we are buying um, 
materials to put together kits that would include food, socks, underwear, um, toothbrush, soap, deodorant, feminine hygiene products, all the things that you might need. And we, right now, I think we have enough to make three to 400 kits. Wow. And every year when we do this, it's, it's interesting to watch the psychology of it because there's a little bit of dread, right? Because it takes a lot of work to do these projects. It's, there's a little bit of dread on her part of like, oh boy, okay, we're going to start this. The minute we start and all through the process and then the delivery of whatever it is at the end, she's on this sort of um, high the whole time of just like feeling amazing. And then it's this letdown at the end when it's over. And she's like, we can't stop. We have to keep doing this. So, so the physiology, as I mentioned earlier, when we do something kind for others or when something is done for us, we have um, internally this, this uh, increase in dopamine and serotonin and, and these hormones that race through our system. And we wanna keep that feeling going. And so whether you're the receiver or the giver of kindness, or in fact, the witness, somebody who just saw it happen or heard about it, like somebody might be listening to this podcast saying, oh my God, that makes me feel so good that somebody's doing that. You actually have the exact same physiological reaction. And so there's a real physical and mental benefit to doing something kind for others. What I love as well is that balance between living that kindness as well, you know, with your daughter and, and implementing it at a grassroots level, which I think a lot of people sometimes feel a bit overwhelmed or say, oh, it's not, it's not going to be enough. But actually, it is already enough, isn't it? And helping right. people near you and around you. Um, but as well, working on this, you know, groundbreaking uh, social emotional learning program, you know, to help schools, educators, you know, maybe adapt the system that is heavily thinking uh, that we should measure progress or measure achievement, you know, with very different measures and, and metrics, um, mm -hmm. which do not include social and emotional learning. So this, this balance, I think, is beautiful. You need both in a way to, to change the system. That's right. That's right. Um, so, so this is wonderful to see. Um, and, uh, and I think during the pandemic, we have seen more local groups who, especially in, you know, in the UK and Europe, who have tried to help, you know, uh, their communities. So this has actually worked, but it was responding to a crisis and, and, and maybe slightly different to the, the concept of, of paying it forward. And I hope it will continue. It's a good point, Natasha. I think we saw just in our little community, um, it was a good example. My mom, at the beginning of the pandemic, she put a an older bookcase out on her porch with, you know, toilet paper and um, canned food and bottled water because we didn't know how bad this was going to get. And she just said, you know, there's a free little pantry on my porch. If anybody needs anything, come take it. And people would come donate and people would take from it. And, um, and it's just that like the beauty of crisis and trauma and as unfortunate as it is, is that we see some of the most beautiful moments of humankind shown and, and shine through during those times um, you really do see how important kindness is and that connection and that feeling that we are all the same that we yeah. have more in common than we have you know right. uh, differences um and this is this is a a, a wonderful thing and I, and that altruism you know I, I think that sometimes we are so focused on our own stresses our goals you know the challenges we all face with that we we forget to look up um and so so these initiatives and these examples i think are are wonderful are wonderful to share 
So I'm also very interested in how kindness and, and, and this ethos has helped you throughout your life. Um, mm. So I always ask about, you know, specific challenge you were faced with that where you can share your wisdom and, and insights in terms of, of how, you know, you know, your, your values and, and your views on how we, we, we care for each other has helped you. I think that the, probably the, the most direct point in my life was uh, I had pretty serious postpartum depression after my daughter was born and I was uh, not in a good place. I was suicidal. My family rallied around me in a way that I, it's not that I didn't expect it. I just had never experienced it. And, and what I think came out of it that was more important than anything else was that at that lowest point in my life, um, I, I, I asked for help. That is something we as human beings, um, I would say, especially here in America, we have trouble doing. And what I consider that is, is the ultimate um, uh, display of self-kindness. When you can reach out and ask for help in low moments, I don't know what else you could do to, to be better to yourself. Um, because so often we just move forward or we let it go or we don't ask for help and, and we become a little bit little bit lower in that place or we go down one more step and and it's harder to come back up from there so I think for me that was the the lesson learned was that um that asking for help is actually one of the kindest things that I could do for myself and in fact for everybody else who was trying desperately to help me and didn't know how and so when I finally said this is how this is how I need help everybody was on it which is beautiful and that's going back to I was discussing that earlier on with a colleague, uh, self-compassion, you know, that, that understanding that you have to look after yourself um, yep. and, and that well-being element, that being well uh, before you can care for others as well is, is critical. Right. But yeah, and it takes so much bravery, doesn't it? I mean, you have to be so brave to say, I need help and this is how I, I need to be. Yes, helped. absolutely. And, and you're right. I mean, ultimately I had a, a newborn baby who was 100% reliant on me and I could not care for her until I could care for myself. And it's beautiful to see that people will step up when they know what to do. We all wait for somebody, you know, it's like when, when something happens, you know, if somebody dies and we say, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm here, if there's anything you need, and we mean it when we say that, but we don't know what to do. And so I, I think when we are given that opportunity and thus we want to, as human beings, we want to help each other. We want to rally and, and support. And, and what a powerful thing to say, this is what I can, this is what I need from you. Maybe it's just a listening ear. Maybe, maybe it's a frozen lasagna, you know, whatever it is. Um, if yeah, food you is me, always a good thing. Isn't it? That's right. And if you tell me, I'll do it. Yes. Uh, absolutely. I'll be right there. Yeah, and that invitation is what we're waiting for. Yeah, yes. absolutely. You know, self-kindness, self-compassion, uh, a fantastic opportunity for us to think about it as well. And then I'm really interested because I'm sure people are still wondering how we're going to um, maybe come out of this pandemic or, or what it is that we've learned. You know, I hope we've learned something. So so let's have a look at this. And uh, so imagine, you know, in view of what you know now and, and what you've gone through, uh, you know, with the pandemic and having to support your daughter, still working in those conditions. Um, so if you were going back to the start of the pandemic, what would you say to your uh, younger self? Are there any words of wisdom or experience you would like to share? I think, that, yeah, if I could go back, 
Cause I got to say at the beginning of this thing, I was pretty freaked out. <laughs> I was, I had no idea if the sky was falling. And I think, um, I think what I would have said to myself and to everybody uh, was let's give ourselves and each other a little bit of grace. And we should do that every day, whether it's a pandemic or not, we don't know the state of mind um, or the experiences of others. And while some people were, were playing this off as it's no big deal and others were very, very scared, um, let's respect where, where people are in this and, and give each other some grace. And I saw people go uh, from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? This is all not true. It's not a big deal all the way to now, you know, they're still double masking, not leaving their house. And, and so there's, and then there's everything in between. So let's not expect people to, um, to live up to our personal expectations, I think, as well. One of the things we did a lot of this year, we started a, a gratitude jar. It's just a, you know, a glass jar. And every week we wrote down on a piece of paper on a little post-it note, one thing this week that we were really grateful for and, and put it in the jar. And at the end of the year, we opened it on New Year's Eve and because some weeks it was hard. Yeah to come up with anything. And there were weeks that we cried and there were weeks that we laughed and there were, you know, all these things. But I think the, the last lesson I would, I would say too, was um, savor the moments that you have that seem very simple. Um, one of the things we did, I lived near a, a, a nature reserve that I am not a nature girl. I'm not an outside person. <laughs> and because we couldn't go to restaurants and shops and all that, we explored this nature reserve that we can walk to. And we saw wild buffalo and wow. we saw, I mean, all these amazing things. And now I'm like, let's go back. We learned to fish. We, we bought fishing poles and went up and learned how to fish up there. And I wouldn't give that back for the world. Uh, at that time, learning something new, exploring something new, spending the time with my daughter, um, turning off technology and being with each other was, I am deeply, deeply grateful for that. I don't think we would have ever had that without the pandemic. It's, it's like special times as if like time stopped in a way, wasn't it? It's like a yep. little bit of that, which yeah. frustrations, but also these gifts of being present mm -hmm. yeah. and sharing the little things, as you say, I think that that's beautifully, beautifully said. Um, and I love this idea of gratitude and maybe it's something we should all do. I, I like this idea of doing that every week and then, and then look at it at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for sharing, sharing this. Mm -hmm. So if we look a little bit broader now, um, you know, in terms of where we are at and, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of discussion at the moment about, you know, maybe the pandemic is a chance for us to reflect on our own lives and our own relationships, you know, with our loved ones. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, a chance for us to redefine how the world or, or what the world should look like, um, both in terms of how we work, you know, how we might travel and, and the kind of society we want. Um, so I'm really interested, you know, to find out a bit more about you as a, as a leader, because you are a leader, you are, you know, changing the world and influencing the world. You know what it is that you would want to do uh, or influence. You know, in the in a few months or, or years to come. I think I put a lot of thought into this over the last year, in particular. That um, again, especially here in the U.S., we 
between the pandemic and the political upheaval that happened and the, um, the, the racial tensions and, and so much pain and, um, and tension over the last year that, that what I saw was people really pulling apart and there were these moments of pulling together, right? I mean, there was certainly that or people taking care of each other, but there were some, some really difficult, painful, surprising things that happened over the last year that I, I have chosen to believe that was a moment in time of high tension and stress and something we're never gonna see again. I, I believe that we, as a species, are, are built to take care of each other. I think that my goal over the next year, over the next two years, over the next 10 years, is to help people really understand why um, communities exist and why they, that supporting each other is basic human survival skill, that we are not going to survive if we only take care of ourselves. So, so there's just that basic survival skill. And I think on the other side of it, the other, the other thing I'd like people to, to come away with is all those sort of simple moments that we have had over the last year. You know, at some point we, we all binge watch something on Netflix and whatever, but we also finally turned off technology and said, we gotta get outside. We've gotta go do something different. We've got to cook a meal together and sit together and, and turn off technology. I can't hear any more news. I don't want to watch another Netflix show. I, there's nobody on Facebook, you know, whatever it is, that that's where I really hope people go is to say technology is not what is keeping us going. It's human connection. It's real human connection that we need to foster more of. And it, and it isn't going to happen through technology. And that's really powerful. And I think we, most of us have, have come to a similar conclusion where, you know, everybody's zoomed out or, or, or mm -hmm. finding it too hard, you know, to always be online uh, or connected all the time and having to respond to communication all the time on so many different, you know, platforms that you even forget where usually the information is or who, who uh, texted you or who sent you information. Um, so I think this is really powerful. Um, and it's about, you know, who's in charge? Is the technology, you know, leading us? Or are we leading technology to help us be better human beings? That's what I'm hearing. Right. You know, it's about being a full human being rather than a human doing as well. You know, always doing things. Right, um, absolutely. We felt a bit like robots in some ways over the last year when we, when we have allowed technology to babysit us in a way, right? Where we just... I can't deal, I'm just gonna watch Netflix or you know, I can't deal, I'm just gonna scroll through Facebook. Um, you know, that isn't gonna, that's not gonna solve our problems. We've, we've got to reconnect. And I think that the pandemic has shown us uh, mentally in terms of our mental health that we only thrive when we are connecting in a real way. I, I don't know the last time I hugged somebody, right? And and I'm not, it's funny, I'm not a hugger. I, I, learned, I have learned to become a hugger. And now I'm like, I'm never gonna be that person again. It was always sort of that weird, uncomfortable. And now I'm like, I hate that when I see somebody I know, I'm, I can't hug them. We know we, yeah. we elbow bump or we fist bump. And I'm like, now I get it, how important, really important physical touch is, how important that face-to-face -face interaction that is not a Zoom call, but it's, sitting down and looking at somebody in their eyes and, and 
really checking in with them. That is deeply, deeply important to our viability as a as a human species. Yes, and being present, as you said, that presence, that you know, physical presence as well. Yeah. Although I will say that you know, I am grateful. Uh, for technology today because if it wasn't with this particular platform we wouldn't meet we wouldn't talk to each That's other because so, we're so far away so there are sometimes if we use it wisely i think it's it's, it's the right thing to do but I, I you know absolutely i'm with you on 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 the, the the cost of actually being hooked to what we think is connection but actually it isn't you know meaningful connections meaningful relationship is something that is different and takes time and and presence and heart, doesn't it? It takes the heart with it. And maybe yeah. we're too much in the mind. <laughs> in the, I agree. It, yeah. it also, it also think, takes some vulnerability, yeah. right? To, to really allow somebody to see into who you are and, and look into who somebody else is. And I think that, I hope, and I believe that that has happened over the last year where we have, we have missed out on so much of that connection that I, I am hoping we're coming out of it with this, yeah real need to to truly deeply connect with each other i i mean Brooke, we could be here forever because we have so much to share but i just wanted to check with you um if there was anything else you would like to mention right now anything that you think would be really helpful um to our listeners i think the only thing i would leave people with is is just a simple um request and that is you know you see you all around you all the time is beauty kindness opportunities for kindness opportunities for connection and and i would just request tune into those opportunities they're there and when you see them participate um receive kindness witness it and just savor that moment give kindness right let somebody go, go into traffic put your shopping cart back, um, leave a coupon on the grocery store shelf that you're not gonna use next to that product. There's so many moments where you can be kind, receive kindness or, or really just witness and enjoy it. And so I just ask people to tune into that because um, it really will change the world, those moments. It does, and it makes it so special you know, for people who are both, you know, receiving that kindness and witnessing it and then doing it. So everybody wins. It's just been wonderful talking to you, Brooke. I'm so grateful uh, for you taking the time. So I wish you the very best. And hopefully we can do another session in maybe a, a little while and see how uh, you and others have managed to change the world for a better place. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Natasha. Maybe next time we can do it in person. A big thanks to our guests today for a wonderful conversation on their leadership journey. To find out more about my podcast and my work, please check my website at cambridgeinsights.co.uk or you can always find me on LinkedIn and I'd be really happy to connect with you. Thank you for listening.